Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week kicks off our three-week teaching series, Titus. One of the dangers of following Christ is that we begin to settle for just gathering information about God. In a sense, we get a bit prideful because we know a few things. The stories engage us, the teaching encourages, but sometimes knowing is not enough. We must do something. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, we find some interesting words that say, sometimes our humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. And we never really know enough until we recognize that God alone knows it all. So listen to these words. Our humble hearts, here's what they do for us. They actually help us more than our proud minds. And all of that is possible when we get, I mean, when we just understand that God alone is the one who knows it all. Not me, but God is the one who knows it all. Here's a question for all of us. How would people describe you? (laughs) It's kind of an interesting question, isn't it? Like, what would they say? And if you had your friends in one room and you just gathered them together and said, all right, throw out some adjectives that describe me, what would they say? I think we hope that they would say some good things about us. I don't think anybody would say, you know what? I would love for my friends to say about me that I'm a know-it-all. A know-it-all. That's not normally a desirable trait. This past week, I was actually on a website that is totally dedicated to helping people apply for new jobs. I'm not applying for a new job. I just stumbled on it, and I thought it was very interesting. And they had this whole little section where you could click on 138 positive personality adjectives that will help you with your next job interview. And so I clicked on that list, and it was fascinating. If you're looking for a job and are trying to find a way to positively describe yourself, you should check that out. But it was very fascinating because here's what wasn't on the list. Know-it-all. It wasn't there because being a know-it-all is not going to help you land your next job. It's possible that there may be nothing more annoying in life than someone who is a know-it-all. And look, I think we're all guilty of acting this way at times. And occasionally, we allow that attitude to trickle into our friendship with God. One of the greatest dangers of following Christ is that we become know-it-alls. And we assume that knowing about God substitutes for knowing God. There's a big difference. A big difference. It all starts the day that we trusted Jesus and we get excited and we read and we go to church and we hit life groups and we hang out with people who are studying all kinds of different things and we get really energized about that because it's amazing information and it's spiritual because it's about God. But here's the danger. It's in those moments that we can get a bit prideful 
about how much we actually know about God and all that he's done for us, and we become arrogant. The stories engage us. The teaching encourages. And the takeaways give us help for life. But instead of doing anything with that information, we tend to bottle it all up and keep it on the inside and place it on a table as if it's a trophy. And then we begin to look at other people. And we say, look at my trophy display of what I know about God. I mean, how amazing is this? How impressive is this? This is what I know about God. And we even do stuff like this. You know what? My church just recently walked through something called the cell. And it was about the 23rd Psalm. And so I now know some things about the shepherd and how he is mine and he will never leave me and he will help me navigate through every difficulty in life. And I now know a lot about the shepherd. Look at what I know. This is an amazing trophy, isn't it? Or or we say, you know what? We just walk through frequently asked questions. And there were some interesting questions that were submitted. And we started to dig into God's word. And we found some answers. And I now know some things about God. Look at what I know. Here's the trophy. Here's the display. Check this out. Or or we say, you know what? I'm involved with a small group and we're doing some great study things and we're digging into God's word and we're finding out all kinds of information about God. Look at what I know. Here is the trophy. And we get pretty good about building this trophy display of what we know about God and we point to that as if this is a great thing. You know, trophies are kind of fun. They remind us of past wins. But past wins cannot sustain us today. So I just want to have an honest conversation about how we can't let this happen. Just accumulating more and more knowledge and more and more facts and more and more information about God to build this trophy display because trophies impress people, but they don't impress God. He's not impressed at all. And so here's what we're going to do. Over the next three weeks, we're going to walk through the entire book of Titus, chapter by chapter. Today, we're going to look at Titus chapter 1. And we're going to discover that this is a book that captivates. I mean, it just grabs our attention. It's also a book that convicts when you really let these words kind of sink in and get to the innermost parts of who we are, it convicts. And it's a book that's going to help us know knowing is not enough. Knowing's not a bad thing. We do have to know some things, but knowing is not enough. We must do something. And so here's our big idea for today. Do something. Do something, like identify the things that peel you away from running with God. And there is so much in life that can just steal our hearts and peel us away from running with God. So we want to identify that stuff, and then we want to do everything we can to fight against it. We're going to know some things, but we also want to do something. So who's Titus? I mean, what's the deal with this guy, and what's the deal 
with this book? Well, let's jump into chapter 1. And in verse 1, this is what we discover. This letter is from Paul. He's the author, he's the writer, and he's a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Paul right away says, Hello, my name is Paul, and there are two things that I want you to know about me. First of all, I'm a slave of God. Every thought, every effort, every breath, everything just belongs to God, and I'm trying to be obedient to him. I am a slave of God, and I'm also an apostle, which means that I'm a messenger And I'm taking this message that God has given to me and I'm going to share it with other people. That's what he says next. I have been sent. So I'm a sent one. And I've been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. So we've got a couple of people here. We've got Paul and he's a slave and he's an apostle carrying an amazing message to other people. Who else is involved here? Well, it's Titus, and the book is named after him. And this is what we find in verse 4. Paul says, I am writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. And may God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior, give you grace and peace. So here's what we know about Titus. Paul actually called him a true child in the faith. And that word true is interesting because it means legitimately born or genuine. And so right at the start of this book, we get a nice little warm moment where Paul is writing to Titus and he says, look, I view you, I see you, I know you as my legitimate, genuine son in the faith. Titus had probably started his whole journey of chasing after God as a result of listening to Paul and his teachings, and now he's one of Paul's protégés. So Paul leaves Titus on this little island in Crete, and that's what's happening here, and his whole job is to help the church do something. Because again, we can't just know stuff about God. We actually have to do something with that, and so Paul begins to instruct him Here's the deal. I want you to help the churches on this island accomplish something, but you need to know that the Cretans, as they're called, well, they're a bit lazy, and they're corrupt as corrupt can be. But I want you to get after this because if the churches position themselves well, they'll be able to have amazing impact on this corrupt little island. Sounds like a fun gig, doesn't it? Not really, because here's what Paul says about the Cretans in verse 12. Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, oh, the people of Crete, they're all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. And then in one of the funniest verses in Scripture, Paul says at the start of verse 13, Yeah, this is true. I've actually seen them in action. I've observed them. And what is written right here is absolutely true. So let's have some fun with this. Imagine Paul, the missionary, the apostle, the big guy who is taking 
God's message of truth throughout the known world at that time. I mean, he's really an important individual. And he sits down with his true son in the faith, his protege, Titus. And they begin to have this conversation. And Paul says, look, Titus, I've got a great job for you. This is going to be fun. And I think it has your name written all over it. I'm going to send you to the island of Crete. And Titus probably got a little excited about that. Like, oh, wow, island ministry. The weather is going to be fantastic. This is going to be great. And Paul's like, well, you know, hang on just a minute here because I need to tell you about how these people actually act. First of all, they're all liars. I mean, every single person on this island, they're all liars. And they're vicious animals. I mean, they are malicious and they are savage. And they're lazy, but they love to eat. And Paul looks at Titus and says, good luck with all of that. You're going to do a fantastic job on the island of Crete. And that's the introduction we have to this whole book. Good luck with reaching out to those people because they are in a lot of trouble. And then Paul wastes no time in getting after what he wanted Titus to do. And so here's the do stuff that we find in chapter 1. Now, as I work through this, this is going to sound like it's not for all of us, like it's for a very specific group of people. And you may think, I don't have to listen to this. It doesn't matter to me. This doesn't apply to me. Why am I even here? What's happening on this day at Valley Point. So I want you to hang in there because we're going to walk through this section that does apply to a very specific group of people and then we're going to give some takeaways. And I think you'll discover that there is something here for all of us. Okay? Here's verse 5. It says, Titus, I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders or leaders in the church in each town as I instructed you. Now, do you see the phrase, complete the work? Shake your head a little bit, all right? That actually means to straighten out, and it's a medical term that comes from the word orthos. Now, think of an orthodontist. They straighten teeth out. That's what they do. Back in the day, this would have been used of straightening out bones that have been broken, a function we call orthopedics. And so Paul talks to Titus, and he says, your very first job here, your responsibility, like this is the whole thing right here, pay attention, you're going to straighten some things out in the church, and it's all going to start with leadership. And then Paul runs the list. So here we go, verse 6. An elder, again, these are church leaders, must live a blameless life. And this carries the idea of being well thought of. You could also say an elder should be full of integrity. They're not perfect individuals, but they should live a blameless life. And then it says he must be faithful to his wife. And this is talking about how a man is to be faithful to the woman who is his wife. Now, for the people on the island of Crete, Kind of big news here because they were somewhat free sexually and they had multiple wives and multiple girlfriends and nobody thought that this was a big deal at all. 
And Paul's like, you know what? That's all a bit out there. And if you want to have great impact, if you want to be full of integrity, then you need to stick to one wife, no extras. That's just not going to work out so well. He goes on. And his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. And this is really talking about how spiritual leadership begins in the home. And that's where it should start. Verse 7. An elder is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. And again, the idea here is that he's full of integrity. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. And this is talking about someone with a short fuse who could easily be tipped over. So that can't happen. And he must not be a heavy drinker. That could actually read, he should be free of addictions. Again, on the island of Crete, people were all about addictions, and they just ran wild and crazy, and they loved it, and nobody cared. And so Paul talks to Titus and says, as you redesign all of this, and as you lead, and as you straighten things out, you want to be sure that the leadership, that the elders are free of addictions. They should be controlled by nothing but God. No habit should have a stronghold in their life that they can't get rid of. So that's the idea of he must not be a heavy drinker. He must not be violent or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. It carries the idea of helping people in need. It actually means loving strangers. So in a real sense, an elder should be somebody who is a people person. And he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message that he was taught. Then, then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. So, question. Why talk about this? I mean, if this is Titus chapter 1 and it's supposed to be for all of us, this seems to zero in on a very specific group. And aren't we just gathering more information, more stuff we know about how they should function? What does this have to do with all of us? And in a very unique way, it has a lot to do with all of us because it gives us the opportunity to say, okay, here's a list. Here's something that we find in Scripture. It's truth. It's real. It's from God. And it totally helps us to avoid living like this. Holding up trophies and being proud and arrogant with how much we know. And as Titus straightens this out, it actually begins with the leadership, but it affects all of us. So here are our takeaways today. And again, it affects every single person. So here we go. First of all, Encourage leaders. Encourage leaders. Encourage leaders. That's what we find here. And so the challenge is to get next to those who are leading out and applaud their efforts. Now we have elders here at Valley Point. And every once in a while, it would be good for you to get next to them and remind them that they're not crazy and that the time they give to help shape the vision of this church and to move us forward is a good thing and they need to be encouraged because they're doing a wonderful work. 
And since our elders are actually unpaid servants, I want to take some time and think about other unpaid servant leaders right here at Valley Point. We have some paid servants, that's the staff, and then we have a whole slew of people who are just unpaid servants, and I know them to be some amazing people who give and give and give and quietly behind the scenes lead and direct and cast vision, and they're not doing this kind of thing. They're not just building a trophy display of what they know, but they are on the front lines of getting their hands dirty and pointing people to real relationships that inspire real significance. They're amazing people. And so if you're here today and someone is caring for your child so that you can enjoy this, encourage leaders. They're amazing people. If you've ever benefited from the generosity of someone here at Valley Point, someone who gave to you, maybe of their resources or maybe of their time or maybe of something that they know that could be of assistance to you, encourage leaders because they're amazing people. And if you've ever benefited from somebody getting next to you and just saying, it's time for you to go here spiritually, Like you're stuck. And that doesn't always sound like fun and we don't always enjoy that conversation, but yet they get next to you and say, it's time for you to go. God wants you to move here and I want to challenge you to do that. And I believe it's where God wants you to go and God will meet you there and you're going to find him in amazing ways and accomplish wonderful things and have great impact. You need to go and I want to be the one to spiritually push you a bit. If that's ever happened to you, Encourage those leaders because they're at it and they're doing everything that they can to help move you. All kinds of leaders around here. And if you're here, then the greatest challenge perhaps out of Titus chapter 1 is just to get next to those who are doing something amazing. And maybe we know their names, maybe we don't. It doesn't matter. We just need to encourage leaders. Encourage leaders. Encourage leaders. And don't worry about just building a trophy display of what you know. Do something like encourage leaders. Here's the second takeaway. Look in and evaluate. See, whenever we see an incredible list like this in Scripture, it's kind of easy to think about other people like elders, like leaders, and wow, man, that's really something, and they need to be doing all of that stuff. But it gives us a wonderful opportunity to kind of dig deep and think about what God is saying to me. So right here, in this moment, what is God whispering into your heart? What is God saying to you about something that we've read and something that might just speak to the inside of your heart and what's happening in your life. Because here's the reality. God is looking for more than just elders to be full of integrity. I mean, God wants that for every single person in here. And God is looking for more than just elders to be self-controlled. And God is looking for more than just elders to love on people and help them know that God has an amazing plan for their lives. See, this is for all of us, and it's a wonderful opportunity to look in and evaluate and then not just hold up the trophy, 
of new information and what I know, but to actually change and to do something with that so my attitude and my heart and my path doesn't peel me away from running with God. Here's the third takeaway. Look out and find someone to help. And this is exactly what Paul encouraged Titus to do. Verse 13, so reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. It's a unique verse. Reprimand them strongly. What does that mean? I think we all know what it sounds like. Sounds like Titus has been given a green light here to just smoke people between the eyes with truth. I mean, it just sounds like he can go crazy with pointing at people and say, you should be doing this, and you should be over here, and you need to consider this. But that's not the case at all. Rebuke sternly actually means to cut. But it doesn't mean to cut in order to do harm. It means to cut in order to provide a cure and to bring healing. So rebuke sternly. Not to blow people away, not to be obnoxious, not to hit them over the head with the trophies of what we know about God, but rebuke sternly so that we can cut as if to achieve a cure in the lives of other people. So this is not about blowing people up with my great biblical knowledge. This isn't about hitting people over the head with truth. This is about pointing people in the right direction with patience and kindness. Patience and kindness. Titus chapter 1. It's really quite amazing. And here's what we get. Encourage leaders. Because if we don't do that, there will be all kinds of stuff that kind of invades our life and that will peel us away from running with God. So we need to encourage leaders. By the way, if we're not encouraging leaders, we're going to turn inward, and that's never a good thing, never. So encourage leaders. And then look in and evaluate what is God whispering to you right now about what we've just read. And if we don't look in and evaluate, we will allow stuff to invade our hearts and our minds that'll just peel us away from running with God. And then look out. Look out and find someone to help. And there are all kinds of people everywhere who need what you have to offer. If we don't look out and help, if we kind of just stop with maybe step one or step two or we don't go all the way and really look out and seek someone to help, then all kinds of stuff, it's going to invade our hearts and our minds and it'll peel us away from running with God. Titus chapter 1 is just a wonderful reminder of how we can't let this happen to us. We can't just hold up trophies and say, here it is, here's what I know about God, check it out. Isn't this amazing? And God must be so happy with me. See, God's not happy with trophies. God's happy when we take what we know and we actually do something with that so we never assume knowledge about God substitutes knowing God. 
You know, one of the great things of following Jesus, one of the great things about following Christ and just laying our lives at his feet and opening ourselves up to everything that he wants for us, it's really more about what we do and what we know. And may God give us amazing strength to pull that off. God, we are so thankful for just some time to look at Titus chapter 1. It's an amazing chapter in Scripture. And it talks specifically to a group, but yet at the same time, it has some information for all of us. But God, even beyond information, it challenges us to do. So God, right now, I just pray that you'd start with me and you would help me to be an encouragement to leaders. God, help me to do a better job of that. I pray that for everyone here too, because God, if we don't do that, we're gonna turn inward and that's not what you want for us at all. God, I pray that you'd also help me to look in and evaluate. What are you saying to me? What are you whispering into my heart right now about my own life and my own path? I pray the same for everyone in here, God. Help them to look in and truly evaluate. And then, God, I pray that you'd help us all just to look out, to look out and be so ready to help others. God, may you give us strength to chase these things. God, give us the strength to not just gather more and more and more information about you and facts and stats and stuff it away and hold up trophies so that other people can applaud us. God, help us to be so ready to leave that behind and take what we know and in a humble and in a patient and in a loving way, serve the people around us. God, help us to get our hands dirty. Help us to be what you want us to be, to go and to do and to serve. And God, we'll thank you for everything that you do in our lives as we do something for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.